are back for episode number two of the On The Ground podcast, channeling my inner Martin Brundle is how I always describe it. We're here at Monte Carlo 1, just a stone's throw away from Monte Carlo Square in the wonderful Monte Carlo in Monaco. Basically the idea of this, I walk around just after the press conference, just got off the live stream and talk about to basically absolutely anyone I can find off the cuff. My first guest is IBF World Light Flyweight Champion Sivanati Nonchinga. Sivanati just wrapped up today's press conference. Do you know what that means? It's one day closer to fight night. How are you feeling? Um, to be honest, um, first of foremost, uh, guys, I can't just talk without giving you any credit. Uh, this was a great uh, press conference, great exposure, great experience for me. Um, by the way, it's, yeah, it's a day um, to go because tomorrow it's waiting. Um, I've been looking forward uh, to it. And also, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm excited, extremely in shape. I'm good. Uh, I feel I'm focused. I want to defend my title. So I just can't wait for, 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 the, for the Saturday night. That's what I can say. I want to put, I want to get inside the ring and put a great show. You say you're enjoying the, the press conference and the whole occasion. You're a world champion now, so you deserve to be here, my friend. But how much are you enjoying the cameras? And because your life's changed a lot, hasn't it, since that win in Mexico? Um, to be honest, uh, my brother, uh, I love cameras. You know, I love the spotlight. You know, yeah. I just the only thing that I do, I just smile for the cameras. You know, and <laughs> and I'm not being arrogant. I think um, I'm, I'm I'm way too handsome for for, for the you spot. Are. Yeah, you are. Never taken a shot, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as I said. Um, I'm focused. Um, what I did in Mexico was uh, such classic, you know. Um, and also, I've managed to bring a pulse for my continent. And now I'm just here to defend it. And I'm looking forward um, to such big fights um, against uh, one of the best in the division, uh, Gonzalez. I'm talking about your Ken Shiro. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great pleasure and a great feeling uh, to be here. You mentioned about the continent. I know we spoke about this yesterday, Sivanati, at the media day, that as much as it's about you winning in the ring, it's also about inspiring a generation, isn't it, in Africa? What can you tell us about the, the bigger message here for you? Um, you know, to be honest, when you, for the first day, you get inside the gym as a young kid, because I think that was 30, plus minus 13 years ago, you know, I wanted to be a world champion. And finally it came true. I thought it was about me. And when I started it, I was playing. I didn't know that someday it's going to pay or it's going to help me or help my family or change um, like myself like completely and, and have, like, have a chance to, to, to speak with one of the great in the world and be for sure uh, be promoted with one of the big top English uh, promotions in the world. So yeah. It's such great, it's bigger than me. Uh, I'm here to inspire, I'm here to leave a mark, I'm here to pave a way uh, for other young kids back at home. Because if I can do it at the age of 23 years old, meaning that given a chance, an opportunity, uh, a South African at the age of 20 as a professional boxer, no, leave alone the fights, leave alone the experience, but he can get inside the ring and just do it just like I did. We certainly are inspiring. Final one before I let you go, Sivanati. Eddie Hearn, your promoter, just said here, listen, everyone on the zone on Saturday, watch out for Sivanati Nonchinga. What's your message to the world of, of what they can expect to see from you? Um, to be honest, um, they can expect like a humble boy with such a great sense of humor, um, respectful, and he's gonna display um, his boxing skills 
and he's growing each and every day. Whenever he gets inside the ring, he's still growing. So they must um, see um, and also uh, um, 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 wait for the new African Pokio because that's the aim, you know. I want to be there and put my country, my continent um, on top of the world so that everybody can know that uh, there was once uh, the, the one and the only great boxer from South Africa who achieved this and that and that. I want an undisputed status. And I did became um, the first youngest world champion in my country with least fights of 10. And now I want to be the first undisputed world champion. So they must uh, wait and watch the space because we're gunning for more, baby. And still. And still, well, you heard the man, big dreams, big ambitions, IBF World Light Flyweight Champion. Your chief support, Sivanati Nonchinga, in action live on the zone on Saturday night. Producer Scott is leading me out into the middle of nowhere here. And we're going to see who's around. And look who is around. Doesn't do an awful lot of interviews, but he is a brilliant public speaker. Dan Lawrence. I, I don't want to do you a disservice. Introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Jay. Good to see you. My name's Dan Lawrence. I'm head of performance at Tony Sims's Matron Boxing Gym. Right, okay, let's talk about the man you're with this weekend, Joey Cordina. What a run he's been on. Is that all down to you? Are you taking all the credit for this Absolutely one? Absolutely every part <laughs> of it, yeah. No, Joe's look, supreme athlete, skilled wizard, or Welsh wizard as we call him, but uh, yeah, he's deserves to be in places like this because Monte Carlo is very aligned with Mr. Joe Cordina. One thing we always talk about, Dan, is the fitness of, of Tony's fighters because he gets them out very old school still, 6am, running up steps and running up hills and blimey, it makes me tired just watching it. In what way does that impact your job? In, you know, the, I guess it's a bit of recovery as well, but when they're doing these gruelling sessions day in, day out, how important is that for you to, to also bring it back a little bit? Yeah, great question, Jay. Really important because fundamentally these guys are going to be foot on the gas all the time if you tell them to be. But is that optimal for peak performance? We know the answer is no. So we need to pull back at times as well. So I have to choose my battles wisely there because they will work very, very hard. And uh, if we can then optimize recovery outside of those sessions with proper nutrition, proper sleep, and then get them ready to go again the next day, then we've done our job to build a supreme athlete. And talking about the next day, I imagine weigh-in day. When Joe gets on that scales and David Diamante is leaning in <laughs> over the inspector's shoulder to read that weight out, is that maybe when the bum just goes a little bit? Is that the most nervous part of fight week for Dan Lawrence? Very much so. But <laughs> we've also got the add-on, Jay, with the IBF check weight the next morning. Course, so yeah, um, we're not done when he makes the... Oh, you know, No okay. days off. Oh, honestly. So, yeah, this one is... Uh, but look, Joe's good. He's been a consummate professional since I've known him. And uh, his weight's good. So, yeah, we've got to tick that first box tomorrow and then uh, Saturday morning IBF check weight and then he can fuel up properly and be ready for that first bill. Great stuff. Dan Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us. So many great people behind the scenes in boxing we don't always get to give a voice to and speak to. One of them just then was Mr Dan Lawrence. Works with all the fighters down Tony Sims' gym. Has worked with some great fighters over the years as well. The likes of Josh Taylor. He's a, a great man. Does a terrific job but he has got his hands full this week. We're wandering around and look who we've bumped into here. Now, sometimes oh there's certain I, people I in the world of boxing that I don't really want to give too much attention to because they don't <laughs> need it. The man that everyone is talking about, the up and coming star of boxing media, our first ever interview, Charlie Parsons. I'm truly honoured. I can't believe I saw you guys roaming around doing your F1 type podcast yeah. and you've handed me the microphone. I have to say it's an honour really to be interviewed by you. Well, it's an honour to be joined by you, Charlie. I, I have to say, though, because we have to keep this 100 on, on the On The Ground podcast. Of course. So I'm, I'm dressed very smart. Everyone Absolutely. in the room is dressed very smart. 
You normally criticise Eddie Hearn's clothing. Did you miss the memo? We're in Monaco, Charlie, not Sirencester. So there is a bit of an explanation. I okay. have packed smart for the week, and obviously I don't usually do smart get-ups. Uh, we have arrived at the hotel. They've said my room is not ready for check-in. Obviously, timing's a little bit late. We've got to get straight over to the press conference. Tracksuit mafia it is. However, that changes from tonight onwards. From tonight onwards, we see smart get-ups only. Little woolen knit in there, little suit. Don't you worry, Sean. Okay, look forward to seeing that. Uh, final one, Charlie, before I do let you go. Your pick of the card this weekend. Only four fights, but four intriguing fights in their own right. I am so excited for Ramla Ali rematching Guzman. Yep. We were there in New Orleans for that fight. Um, I think Ramla's credit to her. She's taken it very quickly this time round, and it is a great, great fight. We look forward to that one. Can't wait. Stay sober this week, mate. I'll be uh, keeping an eye on you, but I'll see you later for, for a beer. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and here is one half of the main event. This weekend he's got a, an opportunity. I often say, Edward, 36 minutes to change your life. Without putting too much pressure on your own shoulders, is that how you see it this weekend? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was more so like nine weeks to change my life and I fully dedicated myself to the nine weeks of camp that we had and um, you're going to see Saturday night the best kid Vasquez yet, man. You came face to face with Joe on some steps outside the hotel for the first time <laughs> yeah. yesterday, but you've just come face to face. You've heard him speak in front of you for the first time as well. What do you make of the energy and how this fight's building up two days out? Um, you know, someone else asked me that and I, I kind of, I don't really feel too, I don't look into that too much. Um, I could tell you some bullshit like, oh, I saw fear, but you know, it was just a face off and um, it's common, I mean, it's uh, mutual respect between him and I, and come Saturday night, we'll, we'll solve, you know, we'll solve this problem. We often talk in boxing about the underdog mentality, but I don't feel from speaking to you that you even see yourself as an underdog in this fight, because the, the confidence is just radiating off you, standing well, next shit, to shit, man, I, I know I'm the underdog, and I, I honestly, I see myself as the underdog, because oh, I, li okay. I like to be. You like that? I like that. I mean, that's, that's, how I like to, that's how I like to feel. That's when I perform the best. And honestly, on the road is when I have my best performances as the underdog. So you see it again come Saturday night. We'll speak it into existence. I, I always do when I speak to fighters. Let's say when you become world champion, why is this so much more important for you than, than just having a belt? Why is this so important in the life of Edward Vasquez as well? Oh, man, you know, because I've... 21 years, man, 21 years of hard work and dedication and visualization and dreaming. It's finally here, we're finally here and we're one fight away from making all those dreams come true, all the visualizations actually come to reality. And also, you know, I have a three-year-old baby girl and she's counting on daddy coming up back home with that world title around my waist and a big smile on my face. So. Have you told her that? Have you told her you bring the belt home? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we so we talk about that, like I said, for the past nine weeks, or really since she was born, we talked about how one day daddy would make this happen. And so, you know, I had to spend so much time away from her for training and I'm going to make Cordina pay for that. I'm sure that all your fans, your friends and family, have you, have you got anyone making the trip? I do. It's I, a long way. I do have some friends making it out. Okay. Um, unfortunately, they gave Joe 30 tickets. They gave me four. What's happened there? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Eddie about so, that. Uh, so I, I do have about four four people coming in. Then I have my my immediate family coming in also. So I, to me, it's it's the people that really matter, and that's um, all I need. For those who can't make it and they're going to be watching you at home live on the zone, hopefully become world champion this weekend. What's your message to them, Edward? You want to leave? Um, you know, I appreciate everyone's support. Um, I appreciate all the support along the journey. Once again, you know, the Texas kid is, is the underdog and we're in the building and I'm here to pull the upset.
those three words and the new? How many times have you heard them in your mind? Oh man, every every single second of every day, every day of training, every second of training, that's all I visualize, man. I visualize and the new, that belt going around my waistline, my parents, you know, crying tears of joy, and life just blossoming. You know, that's that's what I see. That's what I hear. Edmund Vasquez, we wish you the very best of luck this weekend, mate. It's been a pleasure to work with you as well. Thanks for joining us and thanks for your time. That's Edward the Kid Vasquez. Certainly not short of confidence, one half of your main event on Saturday night. And here is one man who did get the smart dressed memo, unlike Charlie Parsons. It's Matchroom CEO, Frank Smith. Frank, when the conversations came back into the fold about returning to Monte Carlo, we love it as members of staff because we get to go to Monaco it. for yeah, a week. Um, how easy was this to get done and, and how does it feel to be back? I've been coming here for three years, back to back. It's actually been like little holidays trying to get it back done again, but we're finally here. Um, it was obviously COVID. We came here in summer 2020 when the, when the world had opened up a little bit after the initial COVID period and we thought, oh, we'll be back next year. And it just carried on, carried on, carried on. But it's good to be back here four years later. Um, and uh, it's a prestigious place for us to do an event. We're lucky to do an event here. You know, we obviously see the history of sport here, you know, Formula One and what they've created here. But boxing's been coming to Monte Carlo for over 100 years, I think. So to be given the opportunity to put these shows on, it's a special moment. And two world title fights out of four fights on the card, four intriguing fights. But is there certain criteria that we, we always, when we do come here to Monte Carlo to this site, that we do have to deliver with, with big world title action? Yeah, look, we always have to deliver two world title fights on the card, as well as delivering certain territories and fighters, which, are, which make sense for the local market. Just like anywhere we go, when we're working with governments, we're led by what they need to deliver. So, you know, Monaco and SPM, the, who run the casino, are always on us to ensure that we deliver the best possible events best quality events and at the same time delivering things that work for them from a tourism perspective too. Your uh, partner Emily Eubank is here with you this week. She'll kill you for telling <laughs> the world that. <laughs> I've got to ask you Frank and I know you probably have heard this one before but when you look at the news and Chris Eubank senior and now Harlem Eubank and obviously Chris Eubank junior potentially your brother-in-law uh, in the years to come against a, f a man and a friend of yours in, in Connor Ben who we represent what are the conversations like over Sunday dinner? Uh, I think the reality is when it comes down to it, I can't do anything in the ring. Right, like, so you just sit quiet so on Sunday dinner? When it, no, no, no. But when it, <laughs> like, I just want to make the best fights possible. And I actually think Chris Eubank Jr. against Conor Ben is the biggest fight out there to be made. There's no, there's no ulterior motive. It's the biggest fight to be made for both of them. So my job is to make the biggest possible fights. Um, when it comes to them getting in the ring, I don't change anything in there. Like, I'm not involved in any way. I sit there very silently. At any one of our shows, I'm very much the same. The, the, regardless of who the opponent is, I'm, I'm quite a quiet character. I'm not jumping up and down sh telling people to jab because I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, for me, I just want to make the biggest fights. And this, by a million miles, is the biggest fight to be made in between those two. But almost one of the biggest fights in British boxing as well so you know I'm pushing hard I'm not going to Sunday lunches at the minute you now I've got we've got our side to do with Connor Chris is obviously with Caller and Wasserman they're working hard and I believe the fight happens so we went through a long process the first time round, so we're just repeating that now so I've been there done it and uh, hopefully this one's a bit easier we just were joined by uh, Eddie Hearn there on the live stream and I thought after two weeks in the States, which I'm not complaining about, I can't wait for that as well, the flyweight unification between Bam and Sonny, that, that was going to be it for Christmas. But it seems like that's not going to be the case. December 23rd, a nice small fight with Anthony Joshua. Cheers for that.
Possibly, possibly. Uh, <laughs> I'll we speak for the team. Yeah, I'll speak we for the team. <laughs> You're not happy about it? We'll, well cancel it. Well, no, if the team aren't happy, then we'll just cancel nah. it. But yeah. have a lovely Christmas, and then P45s on this way. <laughs> um, that was a joke in case I get in any trouble from any you know HR, corporate please. lawyers, HR out there. But no, let's see. There's uh, there's some conversations ongoing. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, and got some big plans for January. It's going to be a busy, going to be a busy, busy Christmas. Whatever happens, with a show or without one. Great stuff. The main man at Matchroom, Mr. Thank, Frank. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Thanks so I appreciate time, you having sir. me on your show. And Scott. Thank you very much, Frank. And here's another man who's got a big involvement in Saturday's action. It's Tony Sims. Tony, you can't get away from me at the moment because you join me on the Flash Knockdown podcast. Oh, yeah. Make sure you go and listen to that. Tony yeah. picked his dream dinner party lineup. Dream so you're wondering who made that lineup. Go and have a listen to that. Tony, at this stage of the week, what's the message for you as a trainer? Because I was just talking to Dan Lawrence out there about his role. For you, from a, I know you have a great relationship with your fighters. What do you tend to be telling Joe at this stage of fight week? Um, today, not to eat too much, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, no, I mean, like all the work's been done. Uh, all the work's been done in the gym, and uh, you know we're just here. Really, it's just a waiting game now. Um, obviously, uh, tomorrow we got to weigh in, so um, it's like dieting today and not. not not taking too much fluid or food in today and then obviously making a weight tomorrow and then obviously fighting Saturday so really all, all that preparation all the work we've done over the last 12 weeks that's that, that's really been done already before we even arrived here. I was talking to Dan Tony about the, the training methods because there have been conversations recently with other trainers about maybe the early starts not being necessarily beneficial to fighters these days in the modern game why is that something you know the, the sprints up the hills at 7am why has that always been something you, you've always remained doing with the fighters you, you operate with? Yeah, I can understand, like, because obviously, you know, modern technology, you know, we have to move with the times. But the reason I the reason I do that is because the fighters have to sacrifice something. They can't not sacrifice something. And, you know, getting up at like half five in the morning is a sacrifice. We don't always want to do that. You know, it's not every day we want to do that. But by doing that, mentally, it mentally prepares them for the sacrifice that they sometimes have to go through in the ring. When, the, when, when it gets tough in there, so it's not always a physical thing because all boxers are in shape, whether, whether they get up at 10 o'clock in the morning or whether they get up at 6 in the morning. But the mental side of that is they had to get up at that time in the morning to prepare themselves to do a workout when they didn't want to get up and do it and that's the mental so when it gets hard in the fight and sometimes you don't want to you don't sometimes you don't want to go through that pain barrier they've already experienced that and that's the reason that I do that and I guess not only success making it sweeter but also Tony I guess um, sorry Patricia Scott is, is in my ear he's distracting me I completely lost what I was going to say there <laughs> so obviously the, the sacrifice is is one side of it but I guess when you do put yourself through that the early alarms does it make the success in the ring that bit sweeter as well when you do win yeah of course you know and like you say what do I what do I talk to them about and I remind them I remind them of um, of that process and uh, we are, know, we're having my, a little walk here yeah, towards, I remind, uh, them, I remind them of that process that they have got up early they have they have sacrificed getting up that early in the morning to do to, you know to do that workout and you know that my that's my belief and uh, I've had I've had obviously a lot of success over the years producing world champions so you can only really go on someone's 
success. And I believe that, you know, I'll carry on to do that until whenever I retire. And I'll always believe in that and what I do. And every, obviously every trainer is different. If, everyone, if every trainer and coach trained exactly the same, exactly the same time, you know, then you wouldn't have, you, you'd, all have you'd all have exactly the same fighters. So, uh, you know, uh, that, that's my belief and that's the way I like training. Tony, always a pleasure to cash up, mate. I wish you the very best of luck in the main Thanks, event Jamie. on Saturday. Any final words, Tony, to your fans? Because they'll be queuing out the side to get a picture of you after this. Yeah, get us a bottle of water. I'm absolutely <laughs> gasping, mate. Tony Sims making weight as well. Thanks for your time, Tony. What a legend. Joe, if you grab a seat there, we'll just have a, a little quick candid chat. I'm sure what you want to do right now is talk more after you've just sat down and done a press conference, but you look in great spirits because after all, after years and years and years in this game, this is nothing new to you, is it? Nah, listen, it's, um, it's everything you want. I was listening to a uh, Billy Joe Saunders podcast uh, with... Simon Jordan, was it? Simon Jordan, yeah. Not everyone's fan free, but we're matching. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was on the way back from Essex, me and my cousin Lukey. Uh, we was on the way back and we were listening to it. And he said the reason why he wasn't nervous and he wasn't worried about when he boxed over in, uh, over in Mexico. Was it Mexico? With you, For Billy Joe, yeah. Was um, it Mexico or Texas? Billy Joe boxed in Texas against Texas, Canelo, yeah. Against Canelo. He said well, the reason why is because it don't get no bigger for him. Now, for me, and it was everything he wanted. Now, for me, this is everything I wanted to headline bills for world titles and stuff like that. So that's why I don't really, any of my fights, I've never really, because I'm, I'm meant to be at that place at that time. And this is where I'm meant to be. And at the top of the bill, fighting for world titles. And, and that's why I don't get nervous. I take it all on my stride. Don't get me wrong, fight nights, I will get my butterflies. And um, that's what helps me perform. But this is where I'm meant to be. In terms of where you're meant to be as well, in the physical sense, the literal sense, I know you're here to handle business, mm. but Monte Carlo is a little bit of joke all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. are a flashy little fellow yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> now and again. I just um I went I went yesterday to um get a new bag and a card holder yesterday. Tony was asking me the price of it and I said I can't tell you. He said, Well all right, I'll go in the shop and ask. And I said, No, 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 don't do that. You're not meant but, to spend your purse before you nah, fight. Listen, I always have it because I, I don't live an extravagant life um, back home. I'm always in the gym. I'm training day in, day out. The only thing I probably spend food on is uh, money on is food. Let me just look at your wrist there. Oh, and no, that, where'd you get that from? Was that a oh, gift, it, was it? No, no, no. The watch no, on your no, wrist? No, I wish it was. <laughs> I'm still old one. But, um, uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I did the stuff that I invest in because I know down the line is if a, if a rainy day comes and I know I can get rid of them. And, and they're watches, by the way. Um, I can get rid of them and, 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 and cash in or say for instance my kids need a car I've got three kids they need a car at least they're not eating into my dough I put, I put a couple away for each of them and they're there or I can sell them put them into a pension or whatever it's one of them things so um, yeah it's their investments they're not so much yeah I can enjoy them now but like I said it's better than my money being in the bank it's, it's better it's my money in the bank with a better interest rate, put it that way. What's helped you to remain as humble as you are? Is that because of where you've come from? Because you've yeah. created your own wealth in your life. Yeah. You've come from nothing, Joe. Yeah. You won't mind me saying that. Is no, that no. why you've been able to maintain this mindset? Yeah, of course. I've, um, like, my dad, my dad, he brought me up a certain way. He gave me everything uh, as a kid. So I didn't want for nothing. Um, and then when I got to an age, he was like, well, not that age now you can go and get a job or this that and then I started I went on to GB's and then I was only on £400 a, a month um, £400 a month is fuck, fuck, fuck all literally nothing 
So by the time, if I bought the card holder I bought yesterday, my money's gone for that month. So my money would certainly be gone yeah. if I bought that so, card holder. So the, 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 the mad thing is, it's like in fight week, I, I enjoy my enjoy a little spend up because like I said, I don't enjoy that extravagant life outside of boxing. But at the same time, I like my food. But why I'm so able to do that is because I, I come from a, a quite a rough area. St. Mellon's is a council estate. And if I went back there trying to act a certain way or act above my station, I'll soon get checked. And it's just never been in me anyway because my dad always and my mother brought me up the right way. And, um, and, and, and that's the way I've always kept it. In terms of the watches, yeah, I mean, it's great to hear that. By the way, yeah. and I, I, like, it, it, you've, I think that's you know, in the years that I've worked with you, you've never changed. Yeah, despite being a bit of a big timer now, you know, no, you've don't never start. I mean, you shit. might have some new teeth, but other than yeah. that, you know, you've never ever changed. And I think you're a credit to yourself and the Thank sport, you. as, as my friend. I'm, I'm happy to be able to spend the time with you that I do. One quick one on the watches, because Eddie Hearn, the, I think the deal is, you know, when you win a world title, you get a Rolex. Yeah. I hear you still haven't got one. Nah, and I hear also the terms have changed if he wants you to take part in certain fights next year. Yeah, and, and that's not that's not including the one he owes me, but still. <laughs> so what's the, um, new, what's the new contract? Well, there's no point even because he haven't honoured the first one. <laughs> so it's, I, I just forget about it now. There's no point in even trying to ask him because I ain't going to beg one. I've got, I got 14 of my own. So, um, listen, I, it, it, it's not so much the watch that bothers me. It's the Sorry, you've got 14 yeah, yeah. Rolexes? yeah. No, 13 Rolexes and 13. one other one, and an AP. So, yeah. I thought you were humble. Yeah. I'll tell you what, why don't you wear them all on your arm? No, no, no. no. One time. I ain't American, man. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the Americans that do that. One, one, one on each ankle, one on each wrist, and all that, and they hang them from their chains and stuff. But, nah, yeah, it's, like I said, they're investments. Um, I buy them list price uh, from Watches of Switzerland in Cardiff, my, my good friend Mike. Um, yeah, so I, I buy one, try and buy one every, every, every after every fight. But I know sometimes you only, you only can buy um, certain amount in a year, three in a year. So yeah, uh, no, two in a year, and it's one high end one and one uh, lower end one. So yeah, I just try and buy as much as I can at this price, and hopefully in the future they they I can pass them on to my my kids or or do whatever I can. Like I said, if I need if. Shit, it's a fan one day. I know I got I got a security there, so yeah, it's um it's good to have, and it's like instead of I probably spend my money on something, probably on food. So yeah, that's what I do. Very final one, Joe. Go on, bro. Um, we're just talking to Edward Vasquez there, and he said, you know, he's fighting to change his life forever, and he's going to take the belt home to his little daughter. Mm. It's why we love the sport for for stories like this, and that's what he's fighting for. Yeah. What's your message, though? As, as sad as it sounds as to why unfortunately that won't be happening for him on Saturday night he's got one I got three I got three and um, and that was my whole my, my, my goals was to win a world title and thinking when I got to a world title my life would change it haven't changed yet so now I need to I need to change their lives and it's, a, it's providing the, a better life for my kids giving them everything that I had and more because I, I was well looked after as, as a kid. My mum and my dad gave me everything as possible. Like, if there was a new football boot out and they come out one, one week after another, I'd have the Gave you everything. I gave me everything. Probably not for themselves, but not for you. Not for themselves. They made sure I had the best. And like, like I seen a, on a podcast the other day, we do everything for our kids. They don't owe us anything. So I want to be able to do that. My mum and dad never want anything from me and give me everything. And hopefully one day I can give back to them. But I also need to do that for my kids as well because my mum and dad showed me the way how they kept me off the off the bad 
the bad road. It was easy for me to go down the bad road. My whole family near enough being to jail. And my dad kept me away from all that. So, yeah, for me to keep them on the right path, give them everything, but keep them, keep them well, like, show them respect, show them morals and show them the way that I was show, uh, brought up and, 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 do it, and do it that way. But, yeah, um, that's what I'm fighting for now. And like he said, he's got a kid, uh, a daughter he wants to learn. Listen, hats off to him for coming over and, and taking on the challenge. But I'm, I, there's no way he's leaving here with my belt. No chance. IBF World Super Featherweight Champion, Joe Colina. Joe, thanks so much yeah. for your time. Always an absolute pleasure. Enjoy. You've left Scott hanging here, producer Scott. Uh, enjoy the rest of your media he left, tour. He left, he left. <laughs> he left Joe hanging. Um, producer Scott's on a Whoops. wild one today. Um, well, that does conclude the On The Ground podcast. I think it's a bit shorter this week, but that's probably better for you all anyway, not to, have to listen to me rambling on. We'll be back tomorrow for the official weigh-in, this time midday UK time, 1pm local time here in Monaco for... The way in where the fighters will face the scales and face each other for the final time until they meet in the ring from the wonderful Monte Carlo on Saturday night live on the zone. I've been Jamie Ward. That was on the ground. Thanks for listening. <laughs>